Show, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, it's Toronto Maple Leafs game day. Mm, might even say good morning. You, you might. I mean, Weird you, time to say it, I, I know. Listen, I prefer to loop, punctuate I... my three-hour radio programs with good morning. So you can, you can have your good morning at 6 o'clock in the morning if that's the way you do things. <laughs> I know. Odd. That's not my deal. Odd, I know. I know. Sorry. Mm, I don't want to use all my good morning bullets, you know? Like, I only have so many. I disagree. You got a lot. It's like a, it's like a Gatling gun. Yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. Uh, Stallone and Rambo. Do, 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 with the good mornings. You could just fire them as many as you want. Yeah, good morning. Thanks, bud. Good morning to you. Good morning to Leaf fans. As the Leafs trying to string together back-to-back wins for the first time in November. Uh, they got three straight matchups again, uh, against Canadian franchises here, starting uh, with the Battle of Ontario for the first time tonight against a Senators team that's going through it right now. They got a Flames team. That was going through it mm-hmm. and has its own set of problems that we'll get to later on in the program. Jonathan Uberdo benched in the mm-hmm. third period of yesterday's comeback win against the National Predators. And then the one Canadian franchise that's actually you know, ecstatic with everything mm-hmm. that's happened this season, the Vancouver Canucks, uh, three straight matchups against Canadian franchises. But the the matchup tonight against the Sens team that we all thought would be ascendant, mm-hmm. first four games went pretty well, and then the floor kind of fell out there and you know, you got the team getting booed off a of home ice. You got the captain yelling at the fans. You got, you know, the general manager getting fired. Mm-hmm. You got a key player being suspended for half the season without a contract. And you don't, the, don't you dare ask any questions about it either. And you, you've got the owner yelling at the league uh, in his first couple of months as as owner of the Ottawa Senators, it does put in perspective the Leafs being in a playoff mm. spot in the Eastern Conference, the issues that they have that are real, but it does feel a little bit like champagne problems when you look around the hockey landscape in this country in general outside of Vancouver. I thought you were going to say it didn't. you didn't realize it could get worse than when Melnick owned the team, and it's not his fault it's, that things well, are happening right now, yeah. but my... God, I cannot believe like if you just like again, like not to speak ill of the dead, anything along those lines, just go back and tell a senator's fan, hey, uh, there's a new owner and they're like, surely everything's rosy and just list off those things that would have happened. And you would have said, but no, come on. We got like there's a new guy here. It is amazing. The run of some of it, their own making some of it, bad play, some of it, questionable signings, some of it, league chicanery, the bad run of luck problems whatever you want to call it yeah it is bad although i'd be saying and this is just like my own panic mind of like nothing in the world has got this sends team back for at least one day like a chance to pay the play the leafs this version oh of the sends team they always get up for this game <laughs> of course are they going to be motivated after that embarrassment on hockey night in canada to the tampa bay lightning i i think they may be no you're going to get your best effort of the season from the Ottawa Senators tonight, who, again, are, are motivated. This is not a team that can just skirt through 82 games and and not come close to making a playoffs. Nope. I don't know if they have to make the playoffs. That would certainly be nice. Like They should be well, ready they have to, to at, make the at playoffs. At some point, they have to. Like We have been doing this with all the Atlantic Division uh, yeah. teams. And Sabres is like, well, I mean, it doesn't have to happen. This like No, eventually it does for one of these teams. Honestly, it sounds a little like uh, like my wife and I when we're like uh, talking about how much our kids should be disciplined. It's like, he's a baby. And I'm like, he's almost three. Like He can do a few more things. And that's what it's been like. 
like with these Atlantic Division teams. Like, oh, they're just a sweet baby, the little Sabres. It's like Rasmus Dahlin, it feels like he's going to be 30 soon. Not actually, but even playing for a while. They've had multiple first overall picks playing in the league for several years now. The Sens, the exact same thing. Every year we talk ourselves into this year, it's going to be a leap. And this year it was because they found a goalie. Okay, well... Look at you all getting crazy out there believing in a goalie who's one of the who's not one of the five or six. Like what dance have we done all year long? It is amazing that all of these teams that hey, Red Wings, kudos to you, seems to be happening so far this year that none of these teams, Red Wings aside, have been able to make this leap in the honestly, it feels like near half a decade now we've been talking about it. And some of that was early building for the Sens and Sabres, but the last couple of years hasn't been that. Yeah, I would still if you made me put money down on mm-hmm. the order of finish or the top three teams in the yep. Atlantic Division, it would still be Bruins, Lightning, Leafs in some order. From what we've seen this year, how can you <laughs> I, argue yeah, against? Uh, yeah, because the Lightning are getting the, their best player back uh, before the end of the month. Leafs, uh, Senators tonight. Leafs with their second kick of the can with their new look third line that was so damn successful mm-hmm. against the Lightning a couple of days ago. Max Domi centering a line with uh, Nick Robertson, Kelly Yarncroke, who had uh, a couple of goals, including the game winner in overtime. That's clearly going to be the third line to start this game. They're they're clearly going to run Matthew Nyes alongside Matthews and Marner yet mm-hmm. again, and Tyler Bertuzzi, I guess, with... Nylander and Tavares, which yep. was slightly less successful against the Lightning Just than those other two lines. I was thinking about this. We're going to talk to Bruce Boudreau uh, in the 7 o'clock hour mm-hmm. later today. And you've been talking about how nervous you are that there will not be a long runway for this new-look Leafs lineup. Mm-hmm. I, just, I, I am curious to know if being the head coach of a team in a Canadian market makes it more difficult to stick with things when they're not necessarily going 100%. Now, this is coming off a game in which things did look pretty close to 100% for those yep. two lines in particular. And, you know, Nylander has elevated that line so often this season. I, I'm not necessarily worried about that mm-hmm. that second line. He and Tavares should be able to guide Tyler Bertuzzi through these early season struggles, you would think. Yeah, I... Just quickly on Bertuzzi, I was thinking about this driving in this morning. I would love nothing. Now, obviously, I'd love him to be a big part of tomorrow's show because he has two goals and he's looking scrappy. Let's not get greedy here. I would just love to not need to talk about him one way or another mm-hmm. tomorrow at this point in time. That's kind of where the bar is for for me on him. It's just now part of it is because I'm watching him like a hawk right now because he's the one leaf that you're kind of really still waiting of this group to, to find its footing. But I would just love it not to be a focal point. I'd love it to be a Matthews and Nyes are flying and Domi that Domi line looks good. And we can just kind of park that for a second because it is that game that he had on Monday night was not bad, but again, it just continues to stick out like a sore thumb because of the things you expected him to do. You're just seeing none of them. I just, I would love nothing more than enough other things on this team to be going right. Yeah. that I don't have to constantly focus on that. You don't have to. They won the hockey game in overtime against yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning, despite being down 4-1. And I will say the people that pour over the video and put video highlights in mm-hmm. their articles, Jason Bukala and yeah. Justin Bourne, they're, they're actually not as harsh on the Tyler Bertuzzi start as, as the eye test would lead you su- to suggest. It's not that he's been bad. It's just you're waiting. It's the emotion, honestly. Like, that is the thing you're just waiting to see. The production, you've you've been the guy highlighting it the most. Yeah, like, he doesn't score. What are you guys waiting for? <laughs> 
Okay. And you're saying that to me, okay? Yeah. And you're right to point it out, but it's the other stuff. It's just the emotion. It's the bite. It's the nastiness. I mean, we've, we've done this all a million times. And quite honestly, if there's a game that I think the other team will be motivated to have a lot of that going on in it, yeah. it's probably a game like tonight. Yeah. I, maybe Tyler Bertuzzi's just waiting to have the emotion rise to the surface in April and May, which would be fine. Hey, that would be a, a perfect uh, opportunity for him to register 10 points in seven games for the Toronto Maple Leafs like he did oh, for the Boston the Cro- I would love to season up, uh, I don't know, to eat crow breasts. I don't know. I don't know what. what you shouldn't, I don't think. I don't like, think you're Considering not the other birds well, that just we've saying, all well, agreed. You to like crow, right? That's what I'm getting at. Like I, I think I, if you had to, yeah, yeah that, like the probably the most leg. edible meat would be, yes, in that region of the bird. All I'm getting at is I'd love nothing more than have to, to be looking crow? at crow recipes because oh. Tyler Bertuzzi <laughs> has a 10 points all over again in a, in a deep playoff run or something along those lines. Yeah. I mean, he can't score in the playoffs in November. Like, that's no. just physically impossible. He... And, he, he does not have a time machine. So like no, he doesn't. He's, he's got to motivate himself for the Battle of Ontario uh, as an Ontario guy himself. Um, yeah, no, but to my point about the Sheldon Keefe thing, like, mm. do you think it's more difficult for him to to stay with something if it's not going great gravy? Like, he did give Tyler Bertuzzi a runway of, what, three, four games yep. with the top line? So that, that was pretty patient. I mean, that is a guy with a cap hit of five and a half yep. million bucks. A little different than... Hey, Nick Robertson called up from the AHL, Max Domi, mm-hmm. a guy that yeah has played center, but not somebody we envisioned playing center for this team. Um, but yeah, the, like one game, man, we were there again on yes. Monday and we'll be there again tonight looking to run our record to 2-0. and And then they'll have to invite us all the time. I would I would figure. Imagine Brad pounding the desk like, get those Burlington guys <laughs> in here. But they they looked... Like they were creating something each and every shift yep. on Monday. I mean, what if they don't look that great tonight? Like, is that it? Is the experiment over? Like, How long a runway do those guys get, I wonder? I think there is so long as the top, like, so long as two of the lines you need to be are clicking, and that's kind of the top three lines, and the, the fourth line's becoming a mishmash of, we'll, we'll see what it looks like tonight. I mean, Revo played 430 in that. Fourth in, line is a punt. Like, it's like, hey, not not like punting, like yes. hoping not to get scored on. It's like the head coach is like, I'm I'm punting on this yeah, line, having the, any worth at all. And the punter is that running back who was kicking field goals for the Texans <laughs> yeah. last week, although he made it, so maybe not. Also, why don't punters kick? Okay, we're getting distracted here. In, in terms you of, are. I'm getting very distracted. In in terms of how patient Keith will be, I think so long as two of the three lines that need to be producing are clicking and producing because of the other, I don't want to say problems, but questionable fit you've had with moving guys around into that spot specifically. I think that as long as the, let's just say, let's say it's exactly the way it looked on Monday night and it's the third line's looking really good and the first line's looking really good and the second line is what it is. I think you have to stick with the second or the first and third lines there and allow the second line to just stick because we've seen Bertuzzi with the top not working not to say it can never work but certainly not working right now we've seen Bertuzzi on more of a third line with we haven't seen it with Domi but I don't know how much anybody wants to see that and then what are you doing you're putting yarn crock up there I just think that if you find two lines that you really can trust and the third one and again let's just say it's Bertuzzi Nylander and Tavares it shouldn't kill you to the extent it did on the on Monday night like mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to be out there for two goals against again I would not bet on that so I think as long as two of the three are going you gotta stick it together you gotta keep it together I do yeah William Nylander had a down game he's allowed to have it like I I expect him to bounce back today 
Don't uh, say that too loud. The the mob will come. For, they're like, he is not allowed to have a bad game. Yeah. He is still the guy who, uh, you know, you're right, though. Even the tenor has changed because imagine that game from him a year uh, ago. Right. He's been this team's best forward more often than not this season. I also expect Joseph Wall to get the start in you think? tonight's you game. Think? <laughs> oh, my God. They'll be the sense. If, if just out of nowhere... Wall's the last guy on the ice for, for warm-ups, and it's clear Samson off skating, and they do the, like, starting lineup. It's like, and in goal from, I don't know, uh, wherever he is in Russia, Ilya Samson. It's like, they'd be booing before. Uh-huh. Puck drop, it feels like, tonight. Oh, you will see Ilya Samsonov before the weekend's over. Yep. The Leafs play a back-to-back Friday against that uh, embattled Calgary Flames team, but coming off a win, uh, and then back-to-back against the Vancouver Canucks on Hockey Night in Canada. So he will start in one of those games. Gotta figure he's not starting in tonight's game after that debacle on Monday. So this quite is... the zag by, by old Sheldon there. It really would. And sure, I, I, I still am of the belief that he will be a significant part of this Toronto Maple Leafs well, goaltending plan. Well, you either believe he will be or Martin Jones will be. Those are your Somebody choices. Somebody <laughs> has to be because Joseph Wall, as great as he was through a couple of levels of professional hockey a season ago, he has not started more than 40 games in a season yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. He just does not have a track record of health and really doesn't have a track record of consistency until last season, where he was great across all, all levels. He also has never been in this situation before, where he is the really unquestioned number one right now, and if he falters, you got major question marks. Like, if Joseph Wall, like, he hasn't been perfect all season long, but if he looks like Ilya Samsonov did on Monday... Then what is the conversation going into the weekend? There is no longer a safety net Mm -hmm. for Joseph Wall. A nice warm blanket of, well, the guy with the 914 save percentage is there to clean things up if you can't get it done, which would be understandable. Mm -hmm. You're getting your first kick at the can on an opening day roster for a team with expectations. Mm -hmm. That feels like it's gone right now for Joseph Wall. It very much is, but I guess I'll put this question back to you is, because we said Samsonov's going to get in one of those two games on the weekend if he looks fine and not stealing the game, just like understands where his net is, doesn't look like he's lost, doesn't look swimming out there. If he's fine, like how much do you need? Like I understand, relatively speaking, and it's been a way too large a sample size of his games, but it's still a small sample size this year that we're saying, ah, Ilya Samsonov, like we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater a little bit. Like if he has a nice start on whatever it is, the Friday or the Saturday, are you like, how quickly are you getting pulled back into? There is a bit of a safety net there. Yeah. To me, it's more than one game because it's, it's not just the seven games that he's played this season. It's his entire career outside of the 40 Mm. games that he started for the Leafs a season ago. Right. Like, that was far and away his best season in the National Hockey League, save for his rookie year for the Capitals, in which he only started 22 games and had a save percentage of 913. This was a guy Mm -hmm. who was a first-round pick who the Capitals were more than happy to wave goodbye to. Like, this is... He had a sub-900 save percentage in 44 games for the Capitals Mm -hmm. before they did not qualify him as a restricted free agent. To me, the body of work is more the season surrounding that 22-23 season. And last season feels like the outlier for this guy. I, I I don't think you can go back to assuming that he's going to be the guy that was amongst 
among the best in the National Hockey League a season ago. We're well, going to talk about a guy who had a similar track record and then fell off a cliff in yeah, a second. And I and I think the I think the thing you have to point to with that, if you're going to believe, and this Leaf team ain't last year's Leaf team, but what made Samsonov a different goalie last year than he's been in the past? 100%. Was it not that it? Because go back and you know I don't have them in, in front of me here, but all the dork stats love the high danger saves mm-hmm. he was making. The thing was you were just asking him to make one or two a night, and he was making. All of them, it, it seemed like. And this year's team, you're saying, ah, we're going to need four or five a period. And he is just not a guy that plays well with that type of structure surrounding him. It makes me wonder, and again, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on those Caps teams from early on in his career. We don't think of them as defensive stalwarts, right? So, yeah, maybe the better your team is defense, like, shocker, I know, but this impacts guys. Like, we have seen goalies who are better with more work. Like, the guy who sticks out of my brain for whatever reason is Vimelka with Arizona. It seems like every time the Leafs throw 50 or 60 shots at him, he gets better as the game game goes on there are other goalies clearly who work the opposite way and Samsonov it seems to me like we're just getting the body work to prove he's that guy so this is really as much as it's a challenge to Samsonov figure it out get your mentals right take this little break you're going to get here to reset whatever it is also a challenge to the team that if you want anything close to the version of the guy that you saw here last year everything needs to be a little tighter in front of him and they're Let's not go cap- look at the blue line. That well, ain't happening. That, that's, they're not capable of that, Brent. Like, this is it. They're asking more of their goaltender this yep. season. This is it. This is a different Maple Leafs team. And, yeah, this is the, closer to the team that the rest of the hockey world perceives the Leafs yes, to be. much closer. Than the one that existed in reality this over the last half here, decade, right? right? Finally got the team everyone in hockey thinks they are. <laughs> it, and it's not full on that, but, like, look at some of the results that they've had. Yeah. It, it's, it's a hell of a lot closer Starting with game one of the season, having to come back with a couple of six a six point. on five goals to beat a Montreal Canadiens team. Came back from 4-1 down against the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is not Ilya Samsonov just having, as you said, yeah. to make a couple of high danger saves in a game that, you know, despite the the, the lack of, of name recognition mm-hmm. from some of those guys on the blue line, played stronger defense than this blue line is capable of playing this season. I have, it is remarkable how kind of things I have to say about the pair of William Lagason and Simone Benoit. Like I would have thought I would have hated that pair, loathed it. Mm -hmm. And part of it is the power of low expectations for sure. But all things considered for seventh, eighth defenseman, whatever they're supposed to be on this team, you've really liked him, especially Lagason. Like he just, I don't know. I'm, I like this game. Yeah, we'll we'll see if Jake McCabe gets uh, into the game tonight. Feels like it's probably closer to a, a weekend thing. Um, all right, so let, let let's talk about the other big uh, news item uh, surrounding a goaltender yesterday. That in year two of a five year, twenty five million dollar contract, Jack Campbell has been placed on waivers for mm-hmm. the purposes of assignment. Um, I've never heard that phraseology before. Like it's I understand. Baseball. Yeah, I know. It did sound like designated for assignment. Like he's just put on waivers. Yeah, we want to send him to the AHL and we understand almost, nobody's going to select him off waivers. Almost feels like they wanted it to sound as mean as possible. <laughs> like for purposes no. of him stinking. <laughs> well, he certainly does stink. Um, so there's almost $20 million remaining on the Jack Campbell deal. They, they save about a million bucks in cap hit. Uh, mm. And they can call up a, a human body to yes. play goal. I, I don't think anybody thought it was a good idea to sign Jack Campbell um, for multiple years when mm. he was a free agent, despite the strong track record with the, the Toronto 
Maple Leafs, but Who, I don't think... As we said, play better defense than people give them credit for. Well, this is it. I, I don't think anybody, though, would have predicted what has happened to Jack Campbell since becoming an Edmonton Oiler. Like, the numbers are jarring. He departs Edmonton for the moment. I, I, I don't necessarily think that he's done playing for the Edmonton Oilers. Like, he could have a strong run in the AHL and... and you know, the, the, Stuart Skinner might just stink too, and they yeah. need to call him back up. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no one's going to select him off waivers. 886 save percentage over 39 starts, 41 games, a huge, huge sample, zero postseason starts, goals against average, three and a half. He's been like quite literally one of the goal, worst goaltenders yes. in the National Hockey League since signing that five year, $25 million deal in Edmonton. Yeah, it's not been good. Uh, the lone good news I can find on it from an Oilers perspective, and it's not going to help them this year, but the uh, cash hit as opposed to the cap hit lowers in the last two years of that. Like if you're just getting like, like if it's a, you're offloading it to like an Arizona. An Arizona. Yeah. Like, well, what else is the, <laughs> the fix here? Grounds, this is yeah. a, honestly, it's like the sole purpose <laughs> they exist in the league. Maybe we should do something about that. Anyways, you know, what else are you going to do? You can sit there and hope he turns it around. And like we've said, yeah, it can happen. Goaltenders, voodoo, all of that. But that Oilers team isn't going to turn into a, a buckle it up and it's a really tight game and you're just giving up one or two high danger shots a, a game or a period. No, it's not going to happen with that Oilers team. We've seen what they are. Cody CeCe's on that blue line, okay? Like we know how this works. They have nice pieces there, but... What do we say about Morgan Riley? Well, how do you feel about a way younger, less successful version of him, of Evan Bouchard, running the point there? Like, you just go man-to-man of what you like there. It is such a tough ask for what the goaltender is asked to do, and they might not have a, any good ones. Forget if Campbell's good, if Stewart's, if Skinner's good. They might not have any good ones there. That's why I think you have to look at the next year, it's still more dollars than it is cap it. It's 5-4 cash. But the last two years, it's 4-2 cash. It's 3-9 cash. It is ridiculous that we're having this conversation about that guy in the second year of that deal. But how can you look at anything else? Well, especially considering, I mean, a couple of different things. Part of it is the pedigree, 11th overall pick. Like he's. Oh, man. Like <laughs> I remember this stuff way too much, but he was a world junior stud. Of scary course. at that tournament. Uh, and, you know, in the most critical hockey market on the planet mm-hmm. in which – that position is more scrutinized in this city than any other. But look at look at the path he took to being that guy here. He's brought in as a timeshare backup guy, worked his way in. Like they made the trade because they needed to get a guy because of Anderson's health. But Anderson was waiting in the wings there, and it was. And then Campbell was until able, he wasn't right. And, well, that was the thing. He was able to get his footing where the expectations were. Hey, man, give us a blow, give us a break. Yeah. It wasn't. Here's twenty five sheets over five years. Well. But, I mean, the sample was pretty – like, he played 77 games with the save percentage of 916 yeah. for, for the Leafs. So, one season. Like, I know goalies don't – I look. That's not a season a for season, a goalie. It's a season and change. Like, we're sitting here talking about one Elias Samsonov season, like, oh, it's the outlier of all outliers. And Jack Campbell, yeah, that's a longer track record, but it's not – it's not a. It's not that much longer. It's not a. It's a what thirty game more sample size. That's not nothing. But it's not a lifetime to make it make the world out to be. Okay. I just, when I look at Campbell, I think of it as a guy who got to come in. And again, we talk about mentals with goaltenders. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with Sansonov. You don't oh. think it was different being a guy they took a flyer on and he's sharing it with Matt Murray to all of a sudden, hey man, this is your last like. 
I know we're talking about Campbell now, but with Samsonov, he's I'm looking to bring the, it back to him. Well, he's looking in the mirror, going, "This is my last chance to certify myself and get paid." Yeah, I can go take a one-year flyer deal next year and do this whole thing again. This is the time to do it. He's got a young kid at home; like he's not starving in the streets by any means. But you'd be lying if that stuff wasn't weighing on him. And I just think more so than any other position, maybe in all of sports, but definitely in this sport. Once that stuff starts entering your brain, it just feels like it scrambles you and you can't make any saves. What's the lesson to be learned here? To Don't me, pay goalies. It's it's twofold. It's one, you try to separate the numbers from things that are maybe unquantifiable and and honestly, maybe you should have looked at, at the way he handled himself through the media and the seeming like like just how quickly he would go to the self-deprecating stuff. Just yeah, clarifying. Yeah, Jack yeah, yeah, Campbell. Yeah. Um, and secondarily, yeah, don't pay goalies. And it's hard not to make the straight line comparison to yet another first round goalie that plays in Toronto had a real good season behind a pretty stout <laughs> defensive team who has shown already given an increased workload mm-hmm. ain't up to it. I mean, I'm, I understand the situation the Oilers were in yeah. when they signed Jack Campbell. They were desperate. They had nothing else, right? And somebody else was going to do that. They didn't get to five years all by no, themselves. No, 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 no. If you have any other option, yes, you shouldn't. You shouldn't do what the Oilers were forced to do. You know what? Maple Leafs do have some other option. Mm-hmm. Joseph Wall is under contract for next season at less than $800,000. You have a question after the 24-25 season about extending him, but whatever. If you can push that conversation off for another year, I I know it's only November here, but how do you not come to the conclusion that the decision is already made, that you cannot extend Ilya Samsonov almost whatever the cost is for a half decade? Oh, the idea of five-year contract for him is fool's gold in this market, but almost in any one. I mean, if he if he gets the net back or Joe Wall falters or there's an injury or something and he's the guy and this team wins a series, someone's going to talk themselves mm-hmm. into it. Like, we just know how this movie works. But the other thing with Joe Wall is that you're not going to have to have this conversation, this discussion. He's going to be an RFA with, again, short of a Maple Leafs cup run here, a pretty minimal league track record. This is the whole case I've been making with Matthew Nyes. Like maybe Kipper's right and they shouldn't have him on the top line now because it's only going to make negotiating this summer with him a more difficult thing, but he's going to be an RFA with somewhat minimal track record in this league. You're not going to have to worry about that. The idea of paying goalies, it almost feels like there's no time to do it. I mean, I guess New York has probably threaded the needle pretty well there with when they were able to pay Shesterkin and the run he's gone on. But by the time a guy has enough track record that you say, oh, okay, he is truly one of the guys, they're getting a little longer in the tooth. Like, I mean, you know, Hellybuck just re-signed up in Winnipeg there. That is, they had to do it, but... How's that deal going to age terribly, Not right? Great. So you just look at it. You There's almost never a good time to give a goalie a massive, huge, long-term deal. And the good news with the Leafs is so long as this keeps up with Sansonov, mm-hmm. there ain't no way anybody's tricking themselves into that. And they won't have to do that with Joe Wall for at least one more contract. Yeah, yeah. It's just don't be in a situation where you're desperate. You got to have somebody. 
and you got to go into honestly the the, the free agent pool of, of goaltenders, yeah. or do your Matt Murray flyer, right? Like that's the other kind of thing that we see with this, and how'd that work out? Not uh, as terribly as it should have, quite frankly. Shout out to the San Jose Sharks who won a hockey uh, game. I'm so disappointed in them. I wanted them to beat the Oilers. I really did. They can still do that. They can no, string. but it's not. It's over. It's like when last year the the uh, Bruins had, were unbeaten on home ice. Then I remember the Leafs were going in for that horny Saturday night game. We were all excited, and then the Kraken on Thursday. Then I beat mm. them at home, and it was like, ah, it just takes the air out of the sales. So, well, yeah, I mean, shame. that that's the way the the wins are going to have to go for the Sharks. Yes. Getting outshot 39-19, Mackenzie Blackwood <laughs> with a trillion saves. Um, so yeah, uh, congratulations. Somebody should pay him. No, no, don't do that. No, we just uh, no, we just uh, talked about that. Don't do that. And I just I mentioned it in passing that uh, Jonathan Uberdo uh, was benched mm. for the third period in a comeback win for his Flames team. Things haven't gone well for he or Johnny Goudreau. It's weird. Like, no. yeah, you just... Or uh, Nazem Kadri. Or... <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it's going to be... And their next game, again, is against the Toronto Maple Leafs on a Friday night. It's, it's just... It's it's narrative city oh. in the, the Canadian hockey markets the, right now. That dinner. Uh, do you think Brad Trilovy is going to be telling tales about <laughs> about signing Johnny Goudreau or uh, Johnny Huberdeau up for that, that, that deal when he closed him in Montreal? Remember? It was like yeah. the greatest dinner of all time. And now it's like... I wasn't even there. No, I, me sign it? No, it must have been somebody else. Dr. Conroy. I don't know. Yeah, that's not aged well. It's just, I mean, the Kadri deal, Kadri kind of a poster boy for careful what you wish for in terms of hitting market and thinking it's going to be your time. And, man, he's still got his money, like seven mil a year for the seven, I think it was there. But to sign up there in a market that, like, let's be honest, like I'm sure he likes being in a Canadian market that matters. But if he had his druthers, I think he'd be somewhere maybe, you know, a little more central in terms of the NHL, in terms of where you are. Like, it's different being in Colorado when you're winning or Calgary mm-hmm. when you're winning than where you are now. Like, he's an Ontario guy, all that stuff. So, yeah, I feel I feel awful for Naz, especially because he's such a heartbeat player, right? Like, you don't want him on a team. And they're turning around a bit. They had the win last night. But you don't want him on a team that doesn't matter. They're, they're, he's just one of those styles of player that feels mm-hmm. like he should never be on the outside of a playoff looking in like all let me put it this way all the criticisms we, to bring it back to my favorite topic of the year for all the criticisms we had of Tyler Bertuzzi uh, Kadri, not a lot of that going on like there's a lot of bite a lot I, of nastiness and seeing him outside of the playoffs would make me so upset so I hope Calgary figures this out yeah you I just want to make fun of me but bring no it back I, I was just gonna say no I guess I'm I I think the same thing. Like, do you think Nazem Kadri is letting Timothy Lilligren, you know, go out for the season no, against think, Brad Marchand? I think I think Nazem Kadri's like, I'm also out for the season, <laughs> but due to suspension. Right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Obviously. All right. Obviously. Uh when we come back, uh Major League Baseball free agency officially underway. The GM meetings also underway in Arizona. Ross Atkins spoke oh, no. yesterday. No, no, nothing good ever comes of it. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll play you some of the sound. We'll also give you an indication of where the Leafs or where the Blue Jays are leaning as far as uh, their potential targets this offseason. That and more next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gutting. GM meetings underway in Arizona. Matt Chapman's there. He's taking meetings. Glad-handing people. Amazing. 
Yeah, I, honestly, like cannot I, remember that. I have attended the Major League Baseball winter meetings before, which are different. You must have been like that's, so. That must have been like me attending, like when I went to Tigers tournament. You must have been so excited, like Christmas was, for you. I mean, it was in Vegas, so yeah, it yeah. was pretty sick. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I was there for the minor Vegas league baseball and baseball. Oh yeah. my god! I was there for the minor league baseball winter meetings, which were so the Major League Baseball winter meetings were at the Bellagio. Yeah. The minor league baseball <laughs> winter meetings were at the Hilton. Amazing. <laughs> so I was trying to get a job in minor league baseball. So Phenomenal. I was, spent a lot of time at the Hilton, which had a great sports book. But then, you know, when I was done trying to get a job in, yeah. in, in minor league baseball, I would go over to the Bellagio, see what was going on down mm. there. And you just yeah, walking down the hallway and there's like Joe Nathan and there's yeah. like, you know, general manager X and, God. and then walk over to the blackjack table and you're seeing the, oh, it was, it was an eye opening experience. Just, so yeah, but the players and all the, mm. the, 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 the primaries are at the winter meetings, not generally at the general manager meetings, but I get it for a guy who needs to sell himself after, Quite an interesting season that that Matt Chapman is 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 being visible early on in the proceedings yeah. in the, in the uh, off season. I'll be honest, you said Bellagio, and I was supposed to take a trip there right at the start of the pandemic. So every time I hear that place, mm. I just get incredibly sad. So uh, we'll just move on. And I'll be professional, but I'm just being honest that that's what happened in my brain when you said Bellagio. In terms of Matt Chapman, yeah, he's exactly the type of guy who should be there to show face. Although I don't know, isn't that like the whole point of? Having an agent, I guess. I guess maybe when your agent is Scott Boris, you're yeah. like, no, no, I'm nice. Hello, hey, yeah. hey, glad handing, not mean handing, or yeah. or power handing, or whatever type of power handing. handing. That, that does feel like that'd be what, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Okay, but in terms of Boris, you just like yeah. maybe it's a bit of a sunnier disposition when it's Matt Chapman, <laughs> and we don't necessarily think of yeah. No, don't say it again. Don't say it again. We don't. <laughs> I mean, it's six thirty-eight. Can we, you know, save the power handing conversation no, for later on in can, the day? We absolutely cannot. But <laughs> honestly, if you're if you're a guy like Chapman, yeah, it makes sense to kind of show face, show hand, whatever, whatever <laughs> you want to do. Like he is a he is a player who, mm. based on reputation in terms of his defense, he there is going to be enough people interested there. Counting stats because of one month, literally because of one month, mm. will give him. I don't know, like a not a leg, but a peg leg to to stand on there. Mm-hmm. And there is always a team in base. It seems like there's, yes, there are a few guys who get caught holding the bag at the end of the year. We just talked about it with Kadri and the NHL happens at all sports. But for a guy like Chapman, that's kind of viewed the way he is throughout the game, and you can talk about whether he should be or not, there just always seems to be a team that can convince themselves. You throw in the personality stuff. Is he seen as Mr. Serious Guy? And I think there's always a team that's kind of ready to talk themselves into that. Well, one of those teams, I guess, as far as the public comments are concerned, is actually the Toronto Blue Jays, who have not closed the door on a potential multi-year extension with Matt Chapman. they never closed the door on anything. No, why should you, though? No, I understand that. But some stuff rings more true than others. I, I don't think there's no. a scenario in which the Blue Jays are bringing Matt Chapman back on the <laughs> amount of money it's going to require to bring Matt Chapman back despite the Certainly down be year. a choice. It, it would, and it's a position to need, and, and Blue Jays are going to have to go out and figure out that position. Like, they don't necessarily have to add a second baseman. There are internal candidates, right? And, like, how much do you believe in the Cavan Biggio resurgence and and okay, is is Santiago Espinal a factor in Otto Lopez? Like, there, there's potential yep. internal Barger, candidates yep. to fill that second. I mean, Addison Barger, I guess, could be a third base candidate. But yeah, no, you you can't go into a season in which you're no. expected to contend God, with no. that kind of 
that kind of plan at the hot corner. The Blue Jays are going to have to add a third baseman. Also, I, I teased it going into the break there that Ross Atkins spoke uh, for the first time since that ill-fated media conference at the end of the season where he explained the thought process and the the working uh, the the way the system works as far as the analytics and now, who's making the decisions. Yeah. And it's John Schneider yeah, who gets say, the how final say. It wasn't say. his fault, mostly. I, <laughs> uh, so he, he, we, it was not on camera, so we don't we can't play the sound. But yeah, here's Ben Nicholson Smith with the tweet summarizing what he said, reflecting on comments he made after the season. Ross Atkins says he feels full accountability for what happens on and off the field as Blue Jays GM and regrets making comments that suggested otherwise. Atkins also said he understands any frustration Blue Jays fans. Might have. Okay, th- th- it all feels like a thousand years ago, and mm-hmm. I understand that he's probably answering a direct question of about, course. hey, how do you feel after now, yeah, a thousand years later, that ill-fated media availability? And I guess he's, he, he said all you can say. I mean, whatever. It, it, I think we all know what the deal is with Ross Atkins. He's never going to win the PR battle, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's not just his thing. But he, should get he, a, he should get like a tattoo and do his first avail sleeveless next year, just a complete image makeover. It's the only thing that could save him. Yeah, we just have to accept that this is a part of the Ross Atkins experience. Is that you're not gonna feel all that pleased at times of crisis? That he's not gonna he's he's not gonna all that pleased you? ever remotely pleased. <laughs> when is honestly like when has he ever stepped to the mic and made anything better? And like th- like you're allowed to suck at parts of your job. That's fine, but. Honestly, when has he ever stepped to the mic and everyone's went, oh, okay. It's now ratcheted down from 11 to even mm. 9. Never no, happened. No, but that's what you just have to accept that. And and you know what? It, it's not the most important thing, quite literally. If Ross Atkins puts together a 110-win Blue Jays team that wins a World Series, who cares? He could come up to the microphone next crisis situation and make fart noises like that's that's, that's that's perfectly fine he could be at the mic at the world series parade going and i'm gonna trade these guys yeah. for team control <laughs> who, they cares? Say, who yeah. cares yeah whatever flags fly forever or ever all right also so i mentioned the things that ring hollow ring true as far as the the executives and and their plan this offseason who is a legit target mm-hmm. and who is not a legit target so joey Votto is officially a free agent anybody can talk freely to him you can, can talk free- to him if you want can, i suppose uh, and i have <laughs> it wasn't so great <laughs> because i'm not you know i'm not rich eisen because you know that's yeah. where he he puts on the joey Votto like full on yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, Pat McAfee, I'm you interesting not. and yeah. funny and yeah like my home country it's like okay mm. maybe not so much but that being said, he is a free agent. He can take meetings with other teams, and other teams can talk freely about him. Here was Ross Atkins in regards to a question about one of the greatest Canadian baseball players of all time. Yeah, incredible player, a remarkable career, um, You know, just massive impact in the community if you were to be a Toronto Blue Jay. So definitely something that we would have to consider if that was something he wanted to pursue. Okay, so I don't honestly, Brent. Like, I don't see a scenario in which Joey Votto is not a Toronto Blue Jay. Like, if if you the Blue Jays you, the bellows, want him, as we said, yeah. If the Blue Jays want Joey Votto, which I believe Ross Atkins, when he says he does mm-hmm. and understands that the outside of baseball things also contribute to their desire to acquire the player, I don't see a scenario in which Joey Votto, at this stage in his career, says, "Oh, the Blue Jays want me." 
but somebody else also wants me, I'm choosing that other team. I under I would have understood if he returned to the Cincinnati Reds yep. if they offered him the they are moving on. Yeah. Cincinnati is donezo. If the Blue Jays are in the mix and it appears that they are I don't see any scenario that Joey Votto is not a Toronto Blue Jay in 2024. Well, and you shouldn't be fanning those flames, if not. Like, whether whether I get overly excited about it, you know, the move I think it is, but there are going to be a large segment of the fan base that say, okay, Joey Votto's a Blue Jay until I'm otherwise told now, and I will be disappointed should that not happen. Like, you should not be fanning those flames. And again, we just talked about it. Maybe PR, not his forte, but that is also a guy going out of his way to talk about things outside of baseball that would have impact to you or impact to the team, I'll put it back to you. How much of it, because I don't think it's the whole move. We've made the baseball case for it, but how much of it, like if we're doing a pie percentage chart, is a PR move? It, it shouldn't be more than 5%. I if don't it's, think if it should be, but how much of it do you think would be? I, I do think that this... They made this a point of mentioning the PR in that answer. Sure, but I think this front office also understands that that's all well and good. And, you know, there's been... Canadian baseball players that have been acquired and with that being a part of the thought mm-hmm. process. And Corey Kosky didn't work out. No. Nope. And Brett Laurie didn't work out. Yeah, and, so how fun, mu- and, and how much PR gains did you get in having those Canadians on the roster? Yep. When they stink, it doesn't matter. No, okay. it, it has to be less than 5%. I get it. Like, in the moment, it, before he can play a baseball right. game in it's February, yeah. uh, will it be the, like, feel like 95%? Yes. But it can't be more than 5%. I I don't think Ross Atkins or Mark Shapiro, if they were to do it, believe it's more than 5%. It's a guy that hit double-digit home runs in limited time Mm -hmm. a season ago, coming off a shoulder injury, who you believe can adequately fill the Brandon Belt role. That's why you're acquiring Joey Votto. The fact that he's one of the greatest Canadian baseball players of all time is definitely part of the decision-making, but it's not close to even half of the decision making here if he can't play baseball yeah it's you can't acquire him well and how much of it is well and i agree with you like it has to be 90 percent to just be brandon belt like that has to be it but how much of it is that he's a guy who can kind of get trotted out a little bit if it is a rough patch for the team that it's not just Bo having to answer questions it's not flatty it's not springer it's like joy Votto is obviously going to be mr quote machine holding mm-hmm. court there all day like isn't don't you think part of it and i don't look at that as a nebulous thing a pr thing i look at that as like making those guys lives a little bit easier how much of that do you think there'd be a benefit there of just like i mean like we all know writers. We all know stories that want to get told. It's like, yeah, they're going to go to the principles of the game and not to say Joey Votto can't be one of those as well, but mm-hmm. he is always going to be, a, it seems like anyways, he'd be always be a guy who's good for a quote or good to tell a story. And it just seems like it can make Bo or Vladdy or Springer's life 2% easier throughout the season. Yeah, no, I get that. And and Brandon Belt had a microphone in front of his yep. face more than a couple of times this season. I, I, I don't know. Joey Votto's even playing as much as Brandon Belt did a season ago, mm-hmm. right? Like this is a part-time player. Yep. So that that's part of it. I, I don't think you can rely on him to stay healthy at Fair. 40 years yeah. old for a prolonged period of time. I don't think you're you're looking at him as the everyday DH, mm-hmm. and that's all he is at this point. Yep. Like, he might just be, you know, the occasional starter bench off the bat or a bat, bat off, the, off bench. the bench piece for this Blue Jays team. So I, I don't know how you can put a microphone in Joey Votto's face Fair. if he doesn't play in a game, right? Yeah. Or is only playing half the games throughout the course of the year. I, I'm now, like, if there were odds on... Joey Votto's next team, I would put everything I own on him being a Toronto Blue Jay next season. I I don't see any scenario in which this plays out any differently. 
Um, other reports, the John Morosi, our pal John Morosi, reporting uh-huh. that the, the Blue Jays are interested in Michael A. Taylor. Is, okay. okay. Made a nice catch against them. A couple of them. Michael A. Taylor is right-handed Dalton Varsho. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but they didn't. But correct me if I'm wrong. I don't. Uh, you maybe I missed the intricacies of MLB free agency. They don't have to give Gabriel Moreno away again for him, do they? <laughs> no, okay. they don't. All right. Well, then I like it better. I will say, uh, definitively better. It, Michael A. Taylor is a move for sure. <laughs> it would be an interesting one considering how how things went a season ago yeah, for this Blue Jays down team again. Well, and, and in some respect, you got to respect that, yep. right? Like if it having a plan and sticking with it. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you watched 162 games of that and it was great, like the defense was great and you can't point to the pitching and not talk about the defense. That was a big part of it. The blue Jays strength was their starting pitching. It was their bullpen. Yep. And yeah, the strikeouts were up, but also the defense plays into the pitchers pitching as well as they did. Like th- that is reflected in ERA, despite the fact that I know we think about defense's errors. No, mm-hmm. plays made yeah. impact the pitcher's ERA. And the Blue Jays got some of the best outfield defense mm-hmm. in all of baseball. But they also only won 89 games and couldn't score in the playoffs. That's a problem. For for you to say, you know what? That was the one out of 10 seasons that you play it back with that roster that they don't that they don't win 95 plus games and don't score in the postseason. Watch this. We're doubling down on what we did a season ago. I, listen, I wouldn't do it. And Michael A. Taylor's not a, an offensive zero. He hits a bunch of home runs, but so does Dalton Varsho, yeah. supposedly, right? Dalton Varsho hit 27 home runs in Arizona. I mean, unless you're running just like a straight platoon of Michael Taylor and, and Dalton Varsho in Which center again, field. Like, just so great that you gave up Gabriel Moreno for a platoon guy. Yeah, if Michael A. Taylor and Dalton Varsho in the, are in the lineup at the same time, like you only have one nine hole, right? Like they're they're not That's adding like, <laughs> it's like. Can you build a whole team out of nine hole hitters? I don't know. The Blue Jays might try and find out. That's the thing. It's like, hey man, Kiermaier was great for this team last year. He, uh, we both forgot about it, but he was the guy who drove in the run, the one playoff run this year. But when you look at that, of course you love what he gave you defensively, but it, and it doesn't have to necessarily come from that spot. We talked about it. Second base, what's going to happen there? Third base, what's going to happen there? You can improve this team offensively in other parts. It doesn't necessarily have to be in center field, but to your point, you can only have so many of these guys, and I would expect some semblance of counterbalancing the other way as opposed to a just complete doubling down of the plan last yeah, year. Yeah, it's an interesting player to, to be named as, as far as you know your initial free agent interest in um and then lastly before we break don mattingly is now the offensive coordinator if he remains with the blue jays downside hut i I, for my money i think he's the only offensive coordinator and i guess teams call it different things like there's strategists and like i okay offensive coordinator never heard of that one in major league baseball sounds like a guy to take some blame well yeah guillermo martinez is still the hitting coach yeah right so all those people yelling at the hitting him no Don Mattingly is, is the OC. But I, I, I guess there is something that is going to be part of his new portfolio that, yeah, like he is going to be responsible. If the Blue Jays have a repeat of what happened offensively, I mean, and Don Mattingly had to have signed up for this. It's like, yeah, no, put it on me. 
I'm, I mean, there's great upside to it. Like if the Blue Jays and it's hey, ba- there's reason to believe that Vlad can have a better say, season than a year like, ago. If Vlad and blow hit, I'm a uh, genius. And like Dalton Varsho can maybe be a league average. Yeah. Like you, Don Mattingly looks like a genius. But yeah, if, if Vlad is who he is and Dalton Varsho is who he is, <laughs> that you have to wear that. You're the offensive coordinator. Like there's now no debate, right? It, like even even if you're just a coach <laughs> and the players play. You're the offensive coordinator. It is amazing. And to your point, like the upside is there, but how they are removing responsibility from everyone else, like Bartita is going to stay. Hudgens, I saw his new role is he's there to help other hitting coaches and identify hitters to target. Mm -hmm. Okay, so nothing's his fault anymore either. If Don Mattingly, and it's not an if, he is the, the OC for this team, I need... I'm requesting it from Sportsnet. I want a little like pin cam in the the top of the dugout there, so we can get those shots like I get of Matt Canada during NFL games of like oh, his chin 100%. just right on his face when something's going terribly wrong Every during strikeout. I need right I need the on, one shot. Right, forget. Sad Vlad cutaways after strikeouts is gone. Yeah. Right to Mattingly's face immediately. I just yeah. I can picture it in the truck right now. Mattingly Cam, go. Mm-hmm. He's the OC. It's remarkable. It again, it does it's just such a a choice for and you know, it's not just anybody. It's Don Mattingly. Like he's Donnie Baseball. Like the name alone carries enough weight. We've been doing this here, and now they put even more of a title responsibility on no, him. It's, it's interesting. It it is super interesting. Like Sean Casey was a he took over the hitting coach responsibilities in New York with the Yankees mm-hmm. a season ago. Man, Sean, like it, we're not comparing Don Mattingly and Sean Casey, but Sean Casey was a great hitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he departs New York, and nobody looks at Sean Casey as being like the reason why the Yankees no. struggled to score runs a season ago. When you're Don Mattingly and you're the offensive coordinator, <laughs> the one, the one difference between your team being real, real good and what they were a season ago, which was 89 wins on the strength of some incredible pitching and scoring, sorry, one run in the playoffs uh, against the Minnesota Twins, was the lack of offense. And okay, they're going to make some moves to try and improve it, but. You're telling me the one of the major areas you think is going to change that is that you've now put the crown of offensive coordinator on Don Mattingly? I don't know. This is something like I've never seen in baseball before. He's not going to do it, but I want him to lean into it as a bit so much. I want him handing out playbooks when yeah. pitchers and catchers, well, not pitchers and catchers, but when the hitters report, I want yeah. him handing out playbooks. I want him wearing a visor. I feel yeah. like that's a big-time offensive coordinator move. Offense. No baseball hat for him. It's amazing. It's just, God. If you you know when they should have done that, the second Ross Atkins stopped speaking, just to give us something else to talk about. Honestly, like yeah. that's the type of move this mm-hmm. feels like. Of like, look over here, mm-hmm. look over here. Don Mattingly's OC. Don't talk about this. Mattingly's OC. Just yeah. talk about that. I mean, it makes a little more sense for Don Mattingly than being the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers, which apparently he's in the mix for. Like, I, I yeah. feel like that's that's a hard sell for a guy who's a borderline Hall of Famer oh. and former manager of the year. I, I understand he won manager of the year in Florida yeah. with the Marlins, but, like, Brewers yeah. even feel worse than that. Well, and you don't replace the guy. Like, it's yeah. like, you don't want to be no, the guy the going next after, guy after Craig, Craig Council. Council. No, 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 no. Especially right. when he's, like, right down the road in Chicago there. <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't want that. Yeah, facing him 14 times a season or whatever. Yuck. Yeah, not ideal. All right, we'll, we'll get back to baseball uh, a little later on in the program. But coming up next, how would Brady Kachuk's comments in regards to the fans booing that Senator's team off the ice on Saturday have played in Toronto? We'll discuss that and more next as we get ready for the first Battle of Ontario tonight at Scotiabank Arena on Sportsnet's Fan Morning Show. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.